Comic Book Tales is an immersive comic book experience for the new or lapsed comic book fan. I take a closer look at the comics that shaped my childhood and influenced my adulthood. Comic books are an amazing entry into another world and even provide the pictures to complete the fantasy. Join me for a new Comic Book Tales adventure. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. We've entered the 90s in comic book history, uh, and it's not all rosy. Comics are making money, but they're not making as much as they used to. Publishers still want more. Marvel still wants more. They've changed hands yet again. Um, there's still talk of making movies. Stan Lee's still trying to peddle the Marvel properties on the West Coast. Um, it's just not working. It was a 1990 version of Captain America. If you've ever seen it, I'm sorry. It made It cost $10 million to make. And it made $10,000. That's right, folks. $10 million to make. $10,000 at the box office. And it actually starred J.D. Salinger's son. From Catcher in the Rye. That J.D. Salinger. But uh, I digress. We enter the 90s. Things look like they're turning around. Things look like it's going to work. We get to... A push from Marvel. We need more X Men. We need more X Men because this time the X Men were the the highest selling book in comics. Month after month after month, Uncanny X Men. They'd given us X Force and New Mutants. And uh, well, X Force hadn't quite come out yet. Uh, New Mutants. Um, you know, X Factor had come back, which were the original X Men. It, it just all those things had mutated. Not no pun intended into this giant organization that um, was run by one man, Mark Grunwald. And Marvel said, we need another we need another uh, hit. You know, Marvel had started to see some value and been threatened by some artists. Uh, Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld. Um, they were the up-and-coming stars. Um, but they had no sense of history. And what do I mean by that? I mean, they... Jim Lee did to a point. Rob Liefeld and Todd McFarlane did not. They they believed their own hype. You know, they believed everything they did was awesome because they did it. And books sold. You know, Marvel gave Todd McFarlane his own Spider-Man uh, book, just called Spider-Man, number one, and it sold like gangbusters. But it wasn't because of Todd McFarlane. He didn't last the first issue. After the first issue, he was gone. Um... They had started to experiment, disastrously, I might add, with alternate covers and polybagging issues. Um, they started to feed the rampant speculation around comic books. Uh, people would buy comic books because they were an issue number one or they had a special cover. Or in the case of X-Men, the gold and the blue teams, there were variant covers. And when you put them all together, you get this big long poster people thought i i can i can put my kid through college with this stuff i I'll buy it now and, and if you know if one was good then 10 was better um but as most people misunderstand value for comic books came from rarity i talked about that in season one Com comic books were looked at as a disposable commodity you read them you read them till they fell apart you threw them away mom threw them away when she cleaned out the attic they just didn't exist. So the rarity made them valuable, not 
not the content. It was the fact that they existed and there was only a couple of them in certain conditions that made them valuable. But collectors didn't understand that. Speculators didn't understand that. They thought, well, you know, they're selling a million copies. Well, it must be good. I'll, I'll get 10, and I can put little Johnny through college in 10 years, and it'll be all wonderful, and I only spent 40 bucks. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. And Marvel was as much to blame as anybody because of the variant covers and the, the way they were marketing and pushing the number ones. And We need a number one. We need a number one. Only because number one sold. Because people wanted to get on the ground floor because they thought they were getting something special. You know, I remember a gold cover for the Fantastic Four and a holographic cover for some X-Men comic books. The reality was it didn't change the content inside. It just upped the price of the book. And books just kept going up and up and up. And they thought the market could bear more. So they just kept pushing. Uh, And the market did for a time into the 90s. But eventually... They started realize the the people buying these books realized I don't need f- ten copies because they're not even worth what I paid for them. That's the rub right there. When you look at the cover price and know that you can't even sell it in mint condition, unopened in a bag, you can't sell for what you paid for it. That's a bubble. That's a bubble, folks. So in the, in the midst of this bubble, as things are going bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and eventually it has to pop, right? Blow a bubble. Eventually it will pop. It cannot. It can only get so big before it just explodes. Well, at this time, Rob Liefeld, Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, three main guys at Marvel, decided they were too big for their britches. Now, it sounds like I'm critical of them, and I am. I like Todd McFarlane's art. Rob Liefeld, not so much, but I can take it or leave it. Jim Lee, I like Jim Lee stuff. Here's the rub. They thought they could write. They could not. <laughs> they could draw to varying degrees. Tom McFarlane was known for anatomically incorrect uh, drawings, but they looked cool, especially Spider-Man. Um, but they couldn't write. But they got a lot of money and created Image Comics. Owner-controlled, writer, you know, creative-controlled books that they published under the Malibu line, which that's a di- that's a story for a different time. But basically, they thought we're we're the cat's meow. We we got everything. We're awesome. Moved to the West Coast, set up their own studios, cranking it out. Now, the biggest notor- known for that was the McFarland Spawn. Okay, um, have you ever read Spawn? <laughs> I only asked because most people can't tell you what Spawn was about, but it was famous. Didn't read it, uh, didn't see the movie, but they, they knew it was famous. So, so it must have been good because it, it was famous. And the reality was it was an overly drawn book with dialogue that plotting and not, not awesome. But it was well drawn if you like Todd McFarlane's style. And a lot of people did. A lot of swooshies, a lot of, a lot of sharp angles and odd, odd anatomy. It just didn't, it didn't do it for me. But a lot of people liked it. I never cared for Spawn. Never cared for that, you know. Never cared for Lobo. That was DC. But never cared for those types of books where it was very dark and gritty and angry and 
you know, that was the 90s. That was the early 90s, the grunge. Think of the grunge. That's what you saw in comic books. And everybody tried to emulate that. Well, Image made a, made a lot of money. So when I talked about in previous episodes how a lot of these creative types couldn't really make a second hit, well, Tom McFarlane hadn't made any, hadn't been in the field long. Rod Liefeld hadn't been long, generally a little bit longer. But they were able to make their first hits on their own and make a lot of money doing it. Make a lot of money doing it. Um, again, work for hire was running this show, whether you believe it or not. It's it came from the '60s and it's still here into the '90s. But the bubble bursts. The bubble goes pop, and almost overnight, comic book stores closed. It wasn't quite overnight, but it was pretty close. Comic book stores closed. Books were canceled. Marvel declares bankruptcy. They can't get things going. Here's where the tragedies begin. Not not that the the bankruptcy wasn't a good was a good thing, but tragedy f- befalls Marvel because they start selling off properties. They start selling off the rights to Spider-Man and this rights to X-Men and the Fantastic 4. Remember I said those are the stars. Those are the crown jewels of Marvel's universe, at least as far as Hollywood was, was concerned. And now Marvel didn't have control. Sold them off into the 90s. They they basically sold off everything to stave off another bankruptcy, but it didn't work. I was a, I actually owned a Marvel share. I had a share of Marvel. Couldn't afford much more than that, but I had a share of Marvel. And, you know, it's, when it still came on paper and you could see the actual share, I had a share. It it became worthless. They declared bankruptcy. That, that stock didn't mean anything. It was just a piece of paper. I don't even know where it is now. I don't think I still have it. I was so angry um, because they had taken something that I loved and they had destroyed it. And by they, I mean, I mean the companies who owned Marvel throughout that time who were just trying to make a buck. And I mean the creatives who couldn't see past their own noses to recognize that they needed the writers and they needed the, the money men to make the books. I was angry. The 90s were an angry time for me, as far as comic books go, because I, I was upset and disgusted. I was disgusted by the prices. I was disgusted by the quality of the work. I was disgusted by the Onslaught saga. It was an attempt to reboot the universe that didn't need to be rebooted. You effectively took everything I loved and dumped it in the garbage. You just dumped it in the garbage. And I didn't care for that. I was not happy. I remember sitting in a bookstore with a friend, and he's like, oh, aren't these great? These are all these new books. I said, no, they're not great. They are not great. You destroyed, you brought the Heroes Reborn, again, with Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee, who came back to do those. And I didn't like their art. I didn't like their style. I didn't like the stories. But it was an attempt to reboot. And you know what? It lasted a year. And then they rebooted again. Okay, reboot after reboot after reboot. It became a rebooting cycle. It's kind of like when your computer starts crashing and just keeps rebooting because it can't figure out what to do. It's an endless loop cycle. Well, this is what happened in comic books in the late 90s. It it just became one disaster after another. The the tie-ins became massive. The uh, limited series became maxi-series. Uh, the Clone Saga for Spider-Man just would not end. 
it, it just became a mess, a mess. Books were being published. That I was getting 40 comic books a month, and maybe 10 of them were worth even reading, and maybe five of them worth reading well. You're reading through them because you had them, not because they were good. I would order them, and the ones I wanted to read first were on top. I should have ordered the ones I wanted to read most on the bottom so I'd get through the rest of the garbage. And eventually I said, this is it. I'm done. Into the 2000s, I'm done. I'm tired of garbage. And that's what it was. And I was doing mail order. I was doing mail order once a month to get all these books. I went back to the comic book shops. I'm back looking for old episodes, episodes, issues of comics I didn't have to fill out my collection. But I was burnt out. And so was the industry. Okay, by 2000, the industry was shot. There was not much left. Think If you can think back to that period of time, name a comic book you cared about then. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait because you can't think of any. Unless you're a diehard fan. Like, I, I love the Avengers, so I was still reading the Avengers because I love the Avengers. But the stories weren't good. They rebooted a couple times. It was... I couldn't even tell you. I mean, some of the some of the characters they put in there, I'm like, oh, Firestar, Fire, yeah, Firestar and Justice were on the Avengers. Why? I don't know. But I don't know. Didn't make any sense. You put Spider Man on the Avengers for no reason. It just it felt shoved together for marketing purposes, and I wasn't having any of it, and I didn't care for it. So prior to the X Men movie coming out in two thousand. It was a bleak landscape, very bleak. Next time we're going to talk about the rebirth of the comic book industry and what that meant. So understand, by this time, the Joel Schumacher, Batman and Robin had tanked. It was hot garbage. And comic books were no, looked at as such filth. Nobody wanted to touch them. Nobody wanted to make anything more of them. They were back to being in the back rooms if you said I, I collect comic books they looked at you like you were kind of weird um there was a time when they started to say oh that's kind of cool not anymore this was this was the dark days for comics so next time we'll talk about the rebirth uh, of comics and finish off from there thanks for joining me i'm chad i'll talk to you next time This has been a Hannah Tree production.